Welcome to Lydiard Law with Paul Cott. Tips and tricks for your legal issues. With so many houses being built, and with so many people doing renovations to their own houses, it can be tough to find an available and qualified builder, let alone someone you can trust to do a good job. If you're unlucky, you might find at the end of the job, or even halfway through, there are defects in the work they've done. If that ever happens, what are your options? Can you get them back to undo the damage? Would you even want them back? Does insurance cover it? What if a subcontractor is involved? To go through all these issues is Paul Cott, Principal of Law on Lydiard. Now, Paul, what's the first thing I should do if I think a builder's done a poor job on the house? I think the very first thing you need to do is to refer to the builder and say what your concerns are. And it may be that you can resolve it then and then. The builder might just choose to say, well, look, I can have a look at it myself because they could be in the warranty period too. That I mean, that's the other issue. If they're in the, the warranty period of six or seven years, then the builder has to have a look at them anyway. So that that's the best port of call, just have that discussion with the builder. So look, these are the issues. Look, the builder tend to be, I'm not with all respect to builders, of course, they might say, well, I don't really think it's effective as what you're saying or you might be overstating the problem a little bit. But I think that's your first port of call. Just have that discussion with the builder. If, though, the builder refuses to engage with me once I raise the issues, what options do I have? Yeah, well, that, that's what I was talking about, as in the builder might just say, I suppose that's a matter of human nature. He might just say, look, you know, the, the problems are not as bad. We took great care with this build. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. It's all good. The owners can then go and get an independent inspection by an independent expert and get them to have an inspection and maybe do a report a non-VCAT compliant report is fine at that stage and just get a report done that says in the in the independent expert's opinion these are or are not the issues and then you might be able to then after that present it to the builder um, and then the builder may want to get his independent report but that's escalating a little bit I think at that stage but at least then the owner has that information by somebody who's independent as to what they believe is always not a problem with the build and it might actually be not all cases, of course. It might be the builder, uh, the expert says, look, there's a couple of other issues that you weren't perhaps aware of that I'm alerting you to the attention of that, you know, there's a couple of other issues that you should be aware. Uh-huh. People might think it's pricey, but it might be, you know, costs well paid for later down the track. I think for sure. I mean, you can certainly get quotes and perhaps go to a cheaper um, expert, but it's like anything in life, I think, that you get what you pay for. So if you spend a little bit more dollars that can then give you some more um, authority going forward and some more punch and, um, in the negotiation with the builder to pay a little bit more and get a bit more detailed report from somebody who's more reputable and not one of these fly-by-nighters, and it gives you a bit more assurance going forward. Is there some type of insurance that might be able to cover the costs? Yeah, sure, there is, um, and this is a very common misconception about builder's warranty insurance. The builder's warranty insurance does cover for defects and incomplete works, but only in really in three circumstances. It's not just a general policy of insurance. It's when the builder goes insolvent, or in the case of a natural person, if the builder dies, or if the builder disappears. So unless any of those circumstances happen, it's not just a, a policy that you can make a claim on and say, well, my house is defective, the builder's refusing to fix it, here's my insurance claim. So that's a bit of a common misconception amongst 
the lay persons, I suppose, or owners, is that it's not just a general policy of insurance, say, um, say a home and contents insurance, where your your contents or your home are damaged by certain things, you can claim on it. Unfortunately, with builder's warranty insurance, um, which is a very imperfect system, it only applies in those three circumstances. But you've got to read the fine print. Well, well, you do, but um, generally it's a fairly standard terms contract of insurance. Um, it's through the one insurer, QBE. So the same terms and conditions apply, and it only applies, as I said, in those three circumstances. So there's only one insurer that covers this? That, that's right. Okay. The builder's warranty insurance, yep. I mean, there's other types of insurance that you can take out. So, for example, you can take out public liability insurance. Um, you can insure home and contents. Um, and people should speak to their brokers because there's probably other forms of insurance that are available. But as far as a general policy of insurance for defectiveness of your home, that's the only one that's available. Mm-hmm. What are my options if I don't agree with the decision of the insurer by denying the claim? Yeah, and look, that's a relatively common thing because, and again, no disrespect to insurers, but sometimes they don't agree that the house is defective, as stated, they might get their own independent reports and have a look at it and say that, look, we will only cover, say, up to a certain limit, not, not what you're claiming. And, or they might deny the claim at all. So what you can then do is you can take that matter straight to VCAT rather than, and I know that we're going to talk about this soon, rather than now, if you've got a defective home, an owner is required to go through what's called Domestic Building Dispute Resolution Victoria before they can go to VCAT. With a, a warranty insurance denial, you can go straight to VCAT. So that's how you can challenge that decision. Right. With legal options, how long overall could I expect the process to take, say, from inception of a claim through to completion? Yeah, um, and it's a little bit of a lengthier process now because, as I said, I think it was about April 2017, there was a new body created in Victoria called Domestic Building Dispute Resolution Victoria that most claims for defective and or incomplete homes have to be put through there first. Um, my experience in the past, although I think it's got a lot better, was that that can actually be the slowest part of the process and not VCAT. Um, they've got a little bit better. I think that perhaps they understated or underestimated how many claims would be put through the DBDRV, um, as we like to call it. And then I think they put more staff and resources to the thing. So that can sometimes take, say, six months to a year before you'll even get it to conciliation, unfortunately. I think it's getting a little bit better. And then after that, you'll have what's called a conciliation or a mediation, and then it goes to VCAT. So I think overall, generally speaking, and of course every case is different, you might be looking at maybe a year, 18 months before you'll actually get it into VCAT and get something heard or determined. Now, as the owner, if I think that the real issue is not with the actual builder's works, but the works of a subcontractor, such as a plumber, Mm -hmm. what can I do? Yeah, um, that's that's a good point that you make when you say that it's a subcontractor. Being a plumber is the most common one, in my experience, particularly roof plumbing. And I, I don't know why that is. I'm not saying that roof plumbers do um, less less respectable work than others. It just seems to be a fairly common issue. So ultimately, because you have the contract with the builder, they're primarily liable. So that even if, the, the say, the roof plumber has done defective works, you really can only claim against the the builder at first instance, because that's who your contract is with. However, what can often happen is that you might issue a claim against a builder and the builder will then go to the roof plumber and say, look, guess what? I've been sued. Now you need to chip in here because we, they've got a report that says that there's roof plumbing issues. So then 
the roof plumber might then be joined to the proceedings by either the builder or or the owner themselves. But that shouldn't... The owner wouldn't need to worry because they're, they're just concentrating on the builder. The builder That's needs right. to sort their... Exactly. And the, the probably the most common scenario is that the builder joins the plumber and says that, well, if I'm found liable, you should chip in some of that damage, some of that loss and damage. So that's right. So really, from the owner's point of view, they don't care. They just um, sue the builder because that's who they have the contract with. So they don't really care to say, if the builder says it's a plumber's fault, well, from the owner's point of view, the builder subcontracted to the plumber, so that's between them. Uh Well, the builders would be using subcontractors all the time, wouldn't they? Oh, for sure. I mean, carpenters... You know, electrical persons, carpet people, painters, there's a whole range of them. That's right. So it's always common. But as I said, by far the most majority of issues I've seen with the subcontractors work are roof plumbers. Uh, I've got a few at the moment and that's the exact issue is that it's the roof plumber. And the builder has actually said, look, I'm sorry, I employed a roof plumber who um, wasn't reputable, who has now disappeared. I can't find them. I've got one particular claim at the moment. But I, I will employ somebody else to fix the roof plumbing because I've, I've employed someone who's done the wrong work. And at the moment, it, the claim in VCAT is only between the owner and the builder. Now, is there a time limit within which I have to issue a legal claim in this area? And is it extendable in some cases? Yeah. So the time limit is 10 years from the date of the certificate of occupancy. Now, if there was not a certificate of occupancy, which is fairly rare... It's 10 years from the date of the certificate of final inspection. So that's your limitation period. That's actually longer than your statutory warranty. The statutory warranty is six years, so that's a longer period. That's in Victoria, is 10 years. I can't speak for other states at this stage. In Victoria, it's 10 years. Um, it's basically not extendable. What happens then if, if in that claim I don't want the builder back on the site to finish the job as, because I, I don't trust him? Yeah, look, that's a very common scenario. Um, I'd be surprised if an owner says that they do want the builder back. They often talk about getting the builder back to finish off works. And the builder often says, look, if you're saying there's defects, I agree that some of them are defective. I'll come back and fix it. And then the owner says, no, I don't want you back on site. Or it gets to the mediation and the settlement options are being discussed. Then the owner says, well, no, I don't want you back. So really what it then comes down to is if the matter is to be settled at mediation, it's usually just in the form of compensation to be paid. So, for example, the owner gets an expert report. That expert report might say, well, it costs, say, $30,000 to fix it. The owner says, I want $30,000 to fix it. And then that's the negotiating point. Yeah, so it really comes down to um, compensation in the end most of the time in practical reality. But the builder would want to finish the job, though. Well, we're talking about defective where it's been finished. But if it's incomplete, um, well, that's a sort of a quite different Usually what happens if the works are incomplete, it's because the builder's walked off the job, for example, where the owner hasn't paid one of the stage payments, progress payments. And the builder says, well, if you don't pay, I'm not going to go on to the next stage. And then they get into a dispute. Or what happens then often is that the very last payment's not been made by the owner. So the builder says, well, I'm not finishing. So then you've got an impasse. Uh-huh. That's very common. So it can be quite complicated... And because of the complication, what, what experts can I, as a owner, approach should my house be defective? Yeah. So there's a lot of independent building consultants who a lot of them were or are still um, builders or used to be builders. 
Um, they're independent building consultants, so they can comment on most items and or they can then refer you to another expert. So I suppose in a way, the way to think about it is if that expert is like a GP when you go to a doctor and then that expert might say, well, there might be structural issues. There could be a problem with a slab. Um, if there's cracking evidence throughout the house, it could be a slab issue. Then they might say, well, we should get a structural engineer to have a look at it and that type of expert. Well, you might get termite inspections um, pest inspections to see if there are any other issues. So the main ones in practice are the, the independent building consultant, the GP, or a structural engineer for structural issues. That's Paul Cott, Principal of Law on Lydiard. And that ends this episode of Lydiard Law. If you have any legal issues you'd like to discuss with Paul, go to lawonlydiard.com.au. Paul Cott and I look forward to discussing more legal issues next episode. Until then, I'm Chris Ashmore. Thanks for listening. Listener.